0: Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. First up, Chris McCord's keynote from ElixirConf EU is up and online. And at the time of this recording, it's the only video of that conference that's been released so far. But it's a good one. So we have a link to it in the show notes. And I'm going to suggest you use our link, either that or just be prepared to skip ahead. Just a heads up, there's like seven minutes of a silly, playful kind of intro. <laughs> and you don't really need to watch any of that. So you have a link to where you can just jump into where the actual talk begins.
1: Uh, Unless you need more cringe in your life. (laughs) If that's just something that gets you going, then definitely watch the first seven minutes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: God. But anyway, so Chris did a great job in his presentation, as he always does. It was titled The Road to Live View 1.0. And so a lot of it is discussing and covering the history, like how Live View got started and its whole process of what all the different phases we've gone through to where we are today, to where things are going. Whether you're new to Live View and the Elixir community, then this is a great overview that kind of helps load all of that into your brain. But even if you've been here a long time and you've been here through the whole process, it's great to remember it and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that was important. Oh, yeah. And just to be reminded of the path that we've been on. Anyway, I have not yet finished watching all of the video. David, you have seen more of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. 70% is like what you said. It's just history. So uh, it's a good good to remember where we came from because we have come a long way. But another 30% was going over a new feature in live view. I'll be brief about it, but you may have seen like online some like little memes of uh the ancient aliens guy just saying check boxes, man. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a reason for that. I love that guy that, that picture <laughs> yeah. is like one of the best. Yeah. Recurring <laughs> guest, I forget his name, but <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty amazing. Anyway, the feature, we kind of teased into it through an Ecto update not so long ago, where there's a couple of extra like fields for Ecto to track the drop params and sort params. And so how LiveView and Ecto are going to work together here is to improve stateful forms for like embedding lists or prepending lists in a form. This is all about a form that's been a very difficult thing to do well right and so they're they're going to take care of that a little bit more in live view and I, I guess technically ecto which is already out so like those fields are available to use now and have been for a couple of weeks now live View is just going to now have some i guess better documentation on how to manage those things and that's what chris goes over in his presentation and then the last couple of bits of his presentation are about the, the couple of extra features that they want to get into live view before they drop to 1.0 like a, a better debugger for stateful connections. That's one thing that cropped up into my mind. But wonderful presentation. That first seven minutes, man, got to be <laughs> a kind of person that really appreciates that. That's <laughs> that chat GPT generated intro. I won't spoil it, but... Oh, I, I had to end up skipping half,
0: halfway through I couldn't do it anymore. I you're either going to hate
1: it or you're going to love it. <laughs> you,
0: <know? laughs> you brought up this whole point, like during the ElixirConf on Twitter... There was a little explosion of the meme, and the meme says checkboxes. And I thought that was just I had no idea what that meant. What was what is the application of that? And so we were talking about that before the show. David, I don't think we've covered that here yet. What is the significance of this checkboxes?
1: Yeah. Okay. So the, the the mechanism for how they're tracking whether to delete an item in, in the list or to append or prepend an item is via checkboxes. And Don't imagine a regular old checkbox with the little, you know, white box and the check in it, right? That's I mean, it technically is that in HTML form. But then Chris like stylizes styles it like a like a button. (laughs) (laughs) And so when you click the button, actually it's a label, I I think, right? You actually technically hide the actual checkbox, but the label clicks the checkbox that's hidden because anything inside the label will, that click event will trigger the value to be flipped. All right, yeah. And so they style it like a button, like a trash can or an X mark, right? Or an add more button or a prepend button, that, that kind of thing. And so when when that checkbox gets, you know, a value in there, that triggers the logic with that sort params, drop params. And, you know, either prepends or appends kind of depends on where that button is in the order of the form on on the markup. So that's the mechanism. That's the, that's what the meme means. This is yeah, abusing, amusing, abu- amusingly abusing the, <laughs> the checkbox form mechanism for appending and prepending in a list. It was, it's very clever.
0: Yeah. So that sounds really interesting. I'm sure there's going to be more to talk about as we all kind of grapple with that and understand like how that's going to work and what we can do with this.
1: Yeah. If you want a better explanation, go watch Chris's whole conference video. It goes into it
0: fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps. With many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app, and a powerful CLI, it's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io.
1: All right. Well, moving on from from that, the EEF final election results are in. The Erlang Ecosystem Foundation—that's what EEF is. The new board members are Francesco Cesarini, Sebastian Strollo, Alastair Woodman, and Amos King. And if you're keeping track, these are the same results from the last election that they had to kind of redo due to procedural issues. So it's a good little experiment and revalidation of everyone's feelings on who should be on the board. So good news, and hopefully we can move on now. <laughs> <laughs> this is all for the uh, cohort A, by the way. And so next year, we're going to have an election again, I'm sure having learned these lessons, but the next year's election will be on cohort B and represents another
0: opportunity to get involved in the Beam ecosystem. And next up, LiveView Native is shaping up and maturing a little bit more with a new Swift UI VS Code plugin. We have a link where you can check out a short animation that shows how it actually works and what it looks like. So you imagine when you're working with a template of a Live View native thing, where it has like HTML tags or XML-like structure. It'll help you with code completion with that. And then also you can hover over and get pop-up documentation for any of the terms or, or keywords and things that you're looking at. So it's really cool. I'm still waiting for something to really be released with live you native so i can start playing with it yeah me too that was a good one speaking of elixir confs that was uh
1: at the last uh us elixir conf so I'm coming up on a year on it all right also up as xcldr was updated kip cole is the creator of xcldr and we talked to him in greater depth about localization and cldr in episode 120 about localizing and personalizing your your elixir apps So CLDR, what what is that? CLDR is the Common Locale Data Repository, CLDR, and it provides key building blocks for software to support the world's languages, and it's the largest and most extensive standard repository for locale data. So this is all just data, but we have to make, make it do something, and that's what XCLDR does. So CLDR version 43 was released this month, which triggered all of this release cycle stuff for XCLDR and all of its family of other libraries that integrate with it. 15 of them have been
0: updated, polished, and published as part of this release cycle. Yeah, what I think is interesting about when we talk about the locale, it's like not even really talking about languages so much as we could still be talking about English language, but then within different regions, maybe you have New Zealand and Britain and... Ireland and all these different places that are English-speaking, and there's formats that we want to represent correctly about maybe their money format is expressed differently, or the date format. Those kinds of locale things are some of those things that are handled by CLDR. That is a really cool tool to be able to lean on, especially when you're trying to serve a much broader, more international audience, regardless of the language that you're actually trying to cover.
1: Yeah. Not covered in CLDR, but maybe it should be, is when you type out y'all, maybe it should translate to you all for those in the north or something like that. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: I do like y'all. It is, it's a very efficient way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid, but it,
1: it might literally actually be in the standard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> True. Because it's very,
0: very exhaustive. And next up, there was a minor patch release for OTP 25.3.1. So I was going through the bug fix release. It's on the Erlang forums, trying to understand what's in this and how significant is it. And they did not provide any overall summary of this is it and this is really important or it's not important or anything like that. It's just, here's a list of all the bug fixes and links to like their details. But it does cover quite a few subsystems within Erlang. And some of them like INETs and ERTS and crypto modules, we're all updated and saying how oh, this is for OpenSSL 3, and this is for all of them. Sounded like they could be security potential issues, and since they didn't say, oh, this is a security fix, we just want to get the bug fixes out first. It just makes me wonder if there could be some security related improvements here. So it was just a maybe a heads up to, that this is available and it might be something you want to. Just update to.
1: All right. Well, that's it for the news. But I did want to highlight some cool things that are happening in the community right now. So first up is a new library by Dorgan. There's a whole blog post that accompanies it, but it's the, the library is called Channel Handler. So if you do anything with Phoenix Channels, you should definitely look at this library. The blog post does a wonderful job. Dorgan was an incredible writer for this that outlines the need and their solution for it. And then at the at the last bit, it's well, basically that it wraps it up into the channel handler library. So the title of their blog post is called Routing Patterns for Manageable Phoenix Channels. So like LiveView, which are built upon uh, WebSocket connections, so they act a lot like channels, right? Channels are kind of like a, a system underneath LiveViews there can be a lot of repeated logic or a lot of like i don't know routing kind of rules and we as you know elixir developers and and uh, phoenix you know application writers we're very used to how plug manages things manages logic and like a sequence of events and so if you've been missing any of that plug like patterns channel handler is going to be a godsend to you so you should go check that out it's basically a library for treating phoenix channels more like A plug, particularly plug.router. Anyway, it was a fantastic blog post. Even if you don't need to use
0: it, you should definitely read it because it's a good learning opportunity. Something I thought that was cool from this article is showing how you have the handle event. You have many different handle events for all these different types of events, and then prefixing the event name, which is just a string with something like element colon as a prefix or layer colon. And then you realize, oh, with binary pattern matching, super easy to just like Grab a whole bunch of those that are all related to elements and shunt off that work to a different module or something, and I think you know that that's just a great way of using binary pattern matching with routing like that. And lastly, I saw a tweet from Zach Siri where he was kind of marveling at everything that was going on in the Elixir community right now, and just listing off some of them. And really, it's a big list. Like, there's a lot going on. So we just came off of Elixir Conf EU. There's some new exciting stuff there. But then we have Livebook, all this stuff that's going on with ML with you know Bumblebee and Whisper Models and all these other things. Then we have a new type system being developed for Elixir. We have LiveView improvements. Like I mentioned, we have LiveView Native and work going on around that and Membrane Framework, which is media and streaming. But then, of course, we've got Nerves Framework for embedded devices. We've got a new web server with Bandit. We've got the ASH Framework and a number of others as well. So it can feel like a fire hose, but we love following these topics and digging in deeper. So just invite you to follow us every week to help keep up with the incredible things going on in our community. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.